time to move? I just found your dream house. The arrogant bastards have been busy over the summer. Stone hits rock bottom. Brewers, get your shit together. Do you want FDA regulations? This is how you get FDA regulations. This is also how you get It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. If you're going to listen to two dumb white guys scream over each other for the better part of an hour, at least let them scream about beer. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing today, Tyler? Oh, doing excellent. How are you, buddy? <laughs> uh, recovering. It's been a it's been a long week. <laughs> I bet. There was, I'm still, I'm still over, I still have a hangover from the uh, the, the event I referenced in the, uh, in the intro there. <laughs> hey, what do you... Beer is good. Let's talk about beer. What are you drinking today? I am drinking Grand Teton's uh, new winter seasonal, the first mug, uh, Mocha Porter. And how is it? It is delicious. It's 5% porter uh, with coffee added, so you get that nice kind of coffee roasty coming through. Still light enough that it's good for the fall days we're having here in the Treasure Valley where it's still kind of warm. But it's cooling down, so kind of the perfect transitional beer. I mean, perfect weather. It's like highs of the 80s, you know, lows in the 40s. Yeah. Windows are open. It's great. The windows are open at my house pretty much all day. It's like, this is the most wonderful time of the year. And speaking of... And it's fresh hop season. And that's what I'm drinking. Um, I've got the uh, from uh, Hopworks Urban Brewery out in Portland. Their Ace of Spades, uh, Imperial Fresh Hop IPA. Well, that is good that you're drinking that because up next I have the Fresh Hop Abominable. Okay, we, you know what's weird? I have Hub's other um, Fresh Hop uh, sending by the uh, <laughs> the Songbird, but I actually had the Abominable earlier this evening. So nice. We're not drinking the same beer at the same time, but fucking near enough. <laughs> and without planning. And you are in for a treat, sir. I really like that beer. This one is also nice. It's like uh citrusy, piney. There are other ones I liked better. It doesn't have as quite a bright and a quite a uh like dynamic hop flavor, but it's very drinkable, especially considering it's a what? Um at an Imperial IPA at uh, eight point six, so not not a, a, a f- not floor inducing, but uh, respectable ABV, um, decent balance, uh, nice grassy fresh flavor, all around very very drinkable for the higher ABV. Nice. Well, I'm excited to crack open that abominable here soon. So. I could, you're you're gonna need it. I feel like we talked about the stories we were going into today, um, and uh, 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 my friends who have tuned in, uh, uh, strap in. You're in for a treat, Tyler. Uh, do you want to take it away today? Yeah, well, I, I guess we're just gonna jump balls deep in to there's get no, off. There's there's no, absolutely no reason for decorum at this point in time. Let's uh, uh, if you don't have first. If you don't have a beer, grab a beer, unless you're driving, in which case, pull over to the side of the road, grab your emergency beer. If you don't have emergency road beer, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Well, uh, on that note, 
<laughs> it's all beer does not endorse drinking and driving or drinking to excess and then getting behind the wheel of a car. Please drive responsibly. Which is why you pull over before you open your emergency road beer. <laughs> Always oh. pull over before your emergency road beer. I want to make that clear. Well, on that note, we're going to have an angry lev- letter from Mad here soon. Uh, I but... don't think they're among our listeners. <laughs> but, uh, so over our summer break, I started noticing a trend on beer Twitter where uh, fruited sours and fruited beers exploding in their cans. Um oh, fuck. Yeah, which is never a good thing. I mean, it happens regardless of whether you're a big company or a small company. Perfect it's... example is Ten Barrel with their Swill, their Rattler that came out right before they got purchased by AB InBev that they had a recall because they had a bunch of bottles blowing up on store shelves here in Boise. It is more prevalent in craft beer than I would like. I think... I mean, I think most breweries, that is like worst case scenario, but it happens far too often and it's upsetting every time. And it's it seems, at least from beer Twitter, it's happening more and more. So the tweet that kind of got me to notice this was it was a couple people tweeting their responses to a company called Badger Hill Brewing. So Badger Hill put out a tweet that said all capital they capitalized all of all said of our beer should be kept cold at all time it is fresh living beer and it will continue to evolve depending on time and temperature in particular blood orange trader ipa must be kept cold to prevent swelling cans questions question mark send us a message or call hashtag badger hill beer Okay, a um, lot to unpack there. Um, correct. Ideally, um, that beer should be uh, uh, always kept cold, um, in, but in an ideal world. Um, and I don't know if you've looked around the past couple of months, but we're not living in what I would deem an ideal world. No, and the question I have is, okay, are you selling these direct to customer? Because if you're not and you're also distributing these, is your wholesaler keeping them cold? Are you shipping them cold transit the whole time? Is the wholesaler selling them cold the whole time? And then is the wholesaler delivering them to the retail spot in a refrigerated truck to then store into back stock that's only refrigerated, not room temp like most grocery stores do? Before going out to either a shelf that's cold storage or a warm shelf, which preferable is cold shelf, but let's be honest, it doesn't always make it there. Uh, true. Having worked in uh, in selling beer in a grocery store, uh, that's, yeah, less than ideal conditions. Uh, industry standard, by the way, not just uh, any place I worked at. That's just how things are done there because for the longest time, the, I mean, uh, Beer is considered a shelf-stable product. We're still working very much from that industry, so very much working from the battle days of Coors, Bud, and Miller, where, you know, that's 
what kind of beer do you have? Well, we got both kinds. Um, and it was, but it's shelf stable and you can store it warm and put it cold and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's bullshit that they're trying to put the responsibility on the customer. Before you sell this, you should have to make sure. And I know any brewery that I've worked for has made sure, okay, are these going to be okay? Uh, if they go sit out on a supermarket shelf or if the customer leaves them in the backseat of the car or if the customer leaves them on their countertop. Uh, Neil White or Witty, can't remember how to pronounce his last name. He's uh, the head of the Brewers Association's quality department. Uh, used to work for Boulevard, led their quality program, now owns his own like draft cleaning and like draft quality company in Kansas city. He's a master Cicerone guy knows a thing or two about quality beer. Uh, I actually got the pleasure of meeting him at a conference here in Boise where he was talking about how to improve quality for your breweries. Tyler name dropping much, (laughs) but he actually tweets at this and goes, if your beer cans are at, are at risk of rupturing, you shouldn't sell them. The onus of safety is on the brewer, not the consumer. Someone else then tweets, yes, shit happens. And then you recall the shit. Telling the consumer it's their problem instead of doing a recall is just making it their problem. That's a choice. The best tweet back to this is... Someone then tweets and goes, I can't believe what I'm reading. This can blew up in my face a couple weeks back. In the Massachusetts market, someone is going to get seriously hurt. Please stop comparing room temperature beer to milk. Uh, And she tweets out a picture as well of the can fully exploded out the top. And it's, it's baffling that breweries are trying to just be like, oh, yeah, we don't have to worry about pasteurizing this or making this shelf stable. The customer will just needs to just keep it cold. Well, I mean, so I think that, so if the brewery is, I mean, it sounds like, so it sounds like this brewery's tactic is to just like blame the consumer, which is not correct um however it does give me thinking so i mean especially as these like fruited sours are becoming more and more popular we did a whole jam about them um earlier this year maybe it was last year i have no idea anymore uh about 450 north correct do you remember when that story was i think it was back in like february uh but the next part of what I'm about to get to, uh, there is a guy out on Twitter calling out individual breweries and untapped reviews of these beers, and 450 North is included in some of these. <laughs> I mean, so if you didn't uh, uh, listen to that episode, um, I understand. Um, clearly, you've been busy uh, over the you know doing other things and not listening to the best beer podcast ever produced ever. That's on you, not on us. Um, but <laughs> look, if a brewery can do it, I can do it. Um, 
short version of the story, uh, we talked about 450 North having a bit of a kerfuffle, um, putting that their, uh, if I remember correctly, their uh, their fruited sour line was 8%, but when someone actually had it tested, it was under 4%. It was 2.5%. Oh, that, that counts. It's under 4 now, isn't it? But yes, they had drastically uh, underestimated uh, how much um, alcohol was actually in their beer. And the part that got, I think, definitely got me riled up, and I'm sure Tyler riled up, was the fact that uh, we looked on social media, particularly Instagram, for that story. And the brewery in question, 450 North, had received little to no backlash um, their fans were told, with a few exceptions, there was a few like snippy comments about, hey, maybe you should test your alcohol. Um, but most of them were very supportive, like, we don't care, you make good beer, we don't, you know, they should drink it if they don't like it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that comes to mind. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I guess what has been the bad... Is this Twitter? You ready to get frustrated? I mean, it's 2020. It's it's how my life is now. So, sure. So, if you want to do some more exploring, go f- check out Francis the Viper Higgins, uh, or his handle is at the beer at Beer Academic on Twitter. He has basically made it his life mission to go through and call out all these different um, untapped ratings. Uh, So he screenshots a couple. uh, The ones I'm bringing up right now are from Burley Oak Brewing Company. They're Miami Vice Dream, spelt with a J. And the first one uh, got rated. I'm, I'm already following him. Nice. It's All Beer is already following him. And by the way, if you want to follow us, you can find us at It's All Beer 1. Go ahead, Tyler. Yep. Uh, The first rating that he had screenshotted said Can Explosion rated 4.25 out of 5 stars. (laughs) Next one, This Can Exploded in My Face, But It Was Still Fire, 4.5. Jesus Christ. All right. That is a hell of a beer. Next one. It was good from what was left after this can exploded. Picture where the seam basically shattered, shot the whole lid off. 4.5. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, you know what? I want to say this. Kudos to those untapped uh, 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 reviewers because usually it's the other way around. Usually there's a decent beer. They're like, well, I don't like a Belgian Trappel, and so when I had this, I didn't like it, so one star. Yep. The fact that uh, I want to know what it will take for them to rate something a one star, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm notorious for giving decent ratings on Untapped, but if that can blew up, I'd be like, yo, <laughs> you guys should check your shit. What it does make me wonder, however, is, is there a place in craft? Are we getting to a point where is it worth talking about? Um, I mean, 
is the is the brewery you know i think i think their um i think their push to say no it's on you not us is kind of cynical and self-serving at this point in time but is there a place for non-shelf stable beer and you know is can you market it and produce a beer that way i would say no if you're it, yeah you can if you're going to serve it on draft and not do package if you're going to do package you have to make sure that that withstands so many different variables or else just like you, you had mentioned kombucha is not really shelf stable off the uh, but well i think did i say that off the uh the mic no you said that on okay just checking um and but kombucha is fda regulated as uh, a very good friend of mine uh, is currently finding out to his everlasting horror. I don't know if you are. Uh, so Boise Fermentation Company, um, you know, uh, great company, uh, uh, just getting started up. And uh, uh, Mr. Joe Sanders um, found out that it turns out kombucha is food. Yep. So he's there's heavily regulated. But but if it's hard kombucha falls under beer, no regulation. <laughs> but so what I'm nervous about is because there's been talk, oh, is beer going to get regulated by the FDA where then you have to have the nutritional facts on the side of the label? Um, just like kombucha does. If brewers keep fucking this up and all it takes is one person to get seriously injured and sue and sue the brewery and it starts to become a trend where people are getting injured suing the brewery it's only a matter of time before the government steps in and says this industry needs this regulation it is now under the fda regulation and you just hurt so many small brewers who can't really afford to have all that nutritional facts done on their beers well, and here's the and here's the, the the real deal it won't be consumers calling for this I will tell you right now, AB InBev is frothing at the mouth trying to get these regulations pushed out there. And if you want evidence, their whole, you know, campaign where they're putting, you know, their nutritional facts and ingredients on their beer. Trust me, that company has absolutely no interest in transparency. What they are trying to do is, is force out the smaller competitors. What they're trying to do is, I mean, what, let me, what a lot of uh, big businesses uh, push regulation for, which is not transparency, consumer safety, or any of that stuff they say it's for. What they're trying to do is put more regulations in place that make it harder for uh, new companies to start, small companies to compete, and thus um, basically just make it make it harder for uh, for for an industry that is threatening. Uh, to them, not a thing. And so I even thought about that. But yes, I mean, it's well, quite possible that AB InBev uh, and other big beer companies, but it'd be mostly AB InBev pushing this to like be able to start a lobbying campaign uh, saying, Look, listen, this craft beer thing is now dangerous. And we do all this and we are pushing for regulations for, uh, for consumer safety. Yep. And... I mean, I know I work for 
one of the small breweries I work for, uh, we released a beer that uses fresh raspberries in it. And the owner was like, let's package this. You know, this year it'll be something fun. It's a popular beer. Former brewery and, you worked for. Yes. My I favorite said, seasonal beer, by the way. Yep. I said <laughs> one of the breweries I've worked okay, for. Okay, yeah. I'm just double checking. So, I was like making sure yep. it was like what the, 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 uh, the beer you're talking about. My favorite yep. seasonal beer locally made. <laughs> but, and he was like, we'll just put on the label, store cold, keep cold, drink fresh. I was like, no. I was like, if we are going to put this in a package, if I am going to be associated with this, we are pasteurizing it. I was like, or we are doing one way, something to make it shelf stable. I was like, or I will not sell it to a single retail account without doing that. I was like, because I don't want it coming back on me and affecting my career potentially or affecting the brewery negatively by having it blow up on a shelf or blow up in someone's house and either them think of the company in a bad light or be injured. So that was that the, the, the packaging that you're talking about was glass too, by the way, which is infinitely yes. more dangerous than cans because it tends to it can splinter and fragment and become shrapnel. Yes. Um and so we got a hold of a a local cidery that pasteurizes their stuff. We worked out a deal with them. We paid them. They let us use their pasteurizing machine. We pasteurized all the bottles. Uh, and then we didn't release it for another two weeks. And I put it in a fermentation chamber with a space heater and had it at like 90, 100 degrees in there at all times for two weeks. And it didn't explode. And so after that, I opened it. It poured just fine. It wasn't... Not terrible. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't gushing. And so I was like, okay, I now know it's not going to re-ferment in this. That's a we can of, open it up. That's a hell of a gambit because there is another Idaho brewery. I won't say which one because they recognize, largely solved the problem to the best of my knowledge. But they had a fruited beer that they were they went in on pretty heavily. Um, and actually did like start pasteurizing, but even with a past, even with pasteurizing, they still had a problem with exploding cans. Um, now what the, maybe there was an internal process that, uh, that I'm unaware of that was causing problems or something, but yeah, I know our brewer did extra yeast dumps on that beer. Uh, just because we were like, we want to make sure we crashed it for several days longer did extra yeast dumps just to try to make sure no yeast was left in solution. So I, I mean, I think we've made clear that, I mean, listen, if you're going through traditional distribution chains, you cannot sell a beer like this. I mean, or else you really, you know, not, never mind public safety, which that's a factor. It's all beer pub is 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 all about public safety. So you know, do not injure your customers with exploding cans. Um, besides playing in the hands of AB and Bev, uh, but if you're going through non-traditional distribution chains, vis-a-vis -vis selling direct to customers or selling to specialty shops, with the caveat, 
listen, you need to have this refrigerated and tell your customers that it needs to be refrigerated. Do you think there is an avenue for non-shelf stable beer? Or is In that... my mind, if you're going to package it, make it shelf stable. Even if you're doing the non-traditional and you still even tell people, keep it cold. Try to remove as many bad variables as you can. Because personally, as a customer, if and some of the tweets on that thread with Badger Hill was like, I love this beer, but if you're telling me if I accidentally left it on, like was in a rush, set it down on the counter, had to run back to the car and go pick up something that needed to be done or go do something because something came up and it would explode, I'm not carrying your beer in my house anymore. And I would take the same approach. Well, to be fair, it's not going to happen that fast. I mean, well, I mean, if if we're talking a time period like you you took it from a refrigerated cooler, you transported it home, non-refrigerated, obviously, uh, put it on the counter for, let's assume, an hour. Um, if it explodes in that time period, something has already been going on that's not related. It would take... Correct. But... I mean, we're talking about, like, milk. I mean, it... that time period it's like i left it on my counter for 48 hours um and it went bad well no shit that's what milk does although even milk is better even i'd say even milk is more unopened milk is more shelf stable than that yeah so i i'm just and that's an extreme case but to me people are spending especially right now their hard-earned money on your product and i have not met a craft brewery in this fucking country that hasn't came out and said we're all about making the best quality beer right so if you say that you have to fucking back it up and part of that quality i mean you know i'm sort of kind of playing devil's advocate just exploring like where this can go but i mean the 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 assumption with beer is that if you leave it out, um, it is not going to explode on you. Um, yep. And as by the way, that is the same. I mean, that's the same with homebrew. That always that does not always work that way. Um, I've got stains on my wall to prove it. <laughs> but that's homebrew. That's different. Uh, <laughs> you sir, you assume a certain risk. Um, yes. And by the way. Um, uh, professional breweries, you should be, uh, you should be exceeding the quality of homebrew. And I'm not always sure you're doing that. Yes. I mean, you are trying to do this as a profession. Not to disparage Take some pride. Not to disparage homebrewers. I have had the best beer. Some of the best beer I've ever had was a homebrewed beer and some of the worst. It's, it's, it's a land of extremes in that, uh, in that world. Uh, a fun little kind of side note on this. Uh, Francis Higgins did reach out to the guy who left the 4.5 star review that said this can't explode in my face, but it's still fire. And had a chat with him. He screenshotted some of his messages and he goes, the guy goes, I have a video of a 450 North can exploding somewhere. But yeah, it was a mess. I've had more than a few 450 North beers explode on me, but the Miami Vice Dream was pretty bad. 
And he goes, do you really like the slushy beers? I mean, they must be good if you're still buying them after all the explosions you've encountered. He goes, I don't buy any of that stuff anymore. After the whole ABV issue with 450 North, I kind of lost interest. Oh, thank um, God. He goes, it's not worth $10 a can just to explode in the mail. It's also just not good beer, but I had a little phase where I would drink it with my friends because they really liked it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, yes, I love craft beer and hate it at the same time in that statement. It kind of encapsulates why sometimes. Oh, 100%. So I guess my whole thing is we don't need more regulation in the craft beer industry. Absolutely not. Expe- especially with... You know, worrying about over-serving, aid to retailer laws, uh, just stupid beer laws in general, let's not hurt and add another barrier to entry to potentially some great breweries opening up or having to close down because they can't afford to have each and every one of the beers they put out have the nutritional facts done. And I... I know I probably sound tinfoil hat-ish, you know, AB InBev lurking around every corner, but I honestly do believe that is their, um, that is what they're going to attempt to do, especially if they get just the right opening. I just, you know, um, they have been and remain hostile towards the craft beer industry, despite their, you know, their buying craft beer and, you know, tried to make a headway in that market i do you know they've shown themselves time and time again to be anti-competition and don't give them the reason to be able to pay off their friends in congress and say we should be regulating this industry we care about consumer safety they don't they want to sell you their corporate swill so I guess on that note, any brewers listening, just take the extra step or release it only on draft. All right. Stone becomes everything they hate news now. Um, it's been a busy summer for uh, Stone Brewing, actually. Um, a bunch of things have happened that uh, I frankly missed. Um, and I think you have too, because uh, I feel like we would have talked about this last week. But hey, I've, I, 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 I'm late, but we're going to talk about it now. Um, uh, we've been talking a. Uh, one of the things that we hit upon early was Stone's feud with, um, well, not just feud, lawsuit with uh, Miller Coors at the time, now Molson Coors, I believe. Molson Coors still owns Keystone, am I correct? Molson Coors still owns Keystone. So, um, about, uh, this was like 2017, they began the uh, uh, the Keep the Key in Keystone campaign. Or, sorry, Keep the Stone, no. Yeah, keep, keep the, the key, key in Keystone, Keystone campaign. Uh, basically, their lawsuit was, basically, you know, they started, like, advertising, like, you know, 16 stones on Keystone. And... One sec, Jeremy. Go ahead. This fresh hop abominable is, is fire, and I didn't even need to have the can explode in my face. Isn't it? So let's, let's talk about it for a little <laughs> while, um, because it, it's uh, it's it's a winter ale. 
um, which likes like a fresh hop version of it. It's a little bit weird, but it was so it had the exact right amount of fruit, malt, and the fresh hop like add that grassiness to that really good bitter that really good balance. Oh yeah, I was gonna say it's super balanced. You get a little bit of that malt sweetness in there. Got like an excellent fruity flavor coming in, and then just that slight grassiness at the back end with that fades into a slight bitterness for a second. It's you can't see this, which is actually giving more credence to the idea that maybe we should be doing a live video version of this podcast. But when he was describing it, Tyler looked like he was in ecstasy. I mean, not that I've spent a lot of time picturing it, but he looked like how I imagine Tyler is during sex. It was almost the O face, man. <laughs> I mean, not like you know the yeah, not ex not not orgasm, but like mid coitus. I wasn't quite to the vinegar strokes, but <laughs> I was definitely balls deep. And this and this is why we're still being edited on uh, on. Uh, uh, on uh, Brewnomics. <laughs> Long story short. So, all right. Apparently, uh, to to I can't remember. Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly where, but um, uh, to be on on uh, on the uh, Beer Buddies version of Brewnomics, um, they have to edit us down a lot. And there's also girlfriends and wives who are angry about uh, the level of cursing we did on Brewnomics. <laughs> Oh really? Um, Stacy told me. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> Brunomics, we love you. Sorry for all the cursing, but you knew what you were getting into. I was gonna say, sorry, we made your guys' lives harder. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so back to the uh, story I was talking about. Um, Stone. That so that event, you know, was kind of like a. It was l largely like. Um, lauded as a, uh, as like, almost like a, like a natural place for Stone to be. Like, you know, they always like the, uh, the, you know, the, the little guys taking on the big corporate monster and, you know, uh, taking on Miller Coors, yeah, it had a romantic feel to it. Even, and a lot of people said, oh, that's just a publicity stunt. What do you want from a brewery whose flagship is the arrogant bastard? Yeah. Um, and I think we even talked about all this, um, but that seems to be kind of like the uh, the the uh, initiating act, initiating action for a slow decline. This I found this wonderfully written but brutal uh, article uh, in Good Beer Hunting by uh, Kate Bernat, uh, and the uh, and the headline is "Rebel Without a Cause." Stone Brewing searches for an identity, admits lawsuits, closures, and controversies. Um, let's talk about some of those. So, um, basically, the the article talks about how, in especially recently, with within the past two years, especially within the past few months, Stone Brewing seems to have be having an identity crisis. Um, it started off. With um, again the Miller Coors uh, 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 lawsuit, which actually we talked about um, last year, sort of kind of hitting to a turning point where they had looked like they were getting you know a an, an edge above uh, uh, that conglomerate. Yeah, um, but um, they 
um, just recently sued a um, a small brewery in Moorhead, Kentucky, um, called Sandstone. Um, really, for the use of stone in their um, in their uh, in in their name, and actually did the same thing to Holy Stone Distilling in Murray, Utah, uh, just last month or. August, excuse me. They did that in August. Um, so, now you might be saying to yourself, um, well, for you might be saying to yourself, uh, Jesus Christ, Stone, you, you know, you're you're taking on a conglomerate, but now you're acting like the big bad bully uh, towards like a smaller brewery and distillery. What is your justification for this? Um, first, as I'm about to, to the the thing I'm about to go, go into points out. On some level, they sort of have no choice because as you as you and I have talked about, copyright law as we understand it. And by the way, open the invitation for anybody who understands copyright law. We have beer, we have a microphone. Please come and explain some of this to us. However, as 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 our understanding of copyright law goes you have to be kind of an asshole in order to defend your copyright, correct? Yes, but at least from my perspective right now, seems like they're reaching a little on Sandstone and whatever the fuck the other one was. Uh, Holy Stone. Yeah. Anything that it's... has stone in it. Yeah. Which, I, I get where they were going after... Molson course because they were basically just going stone, not keystone. Because I think the case would have been thrown out if they were like it has stone in the name, so it it it's got to be a trademark infringement. So I mean, I, I sort of get that side of it, but if you want their whole defense. What you really need to go do is go to stonebrewing.com um, and find an open letter written by uh, Greg Koch himself called In Response to the Wildly Irresponsible Actions of Local Pioneers Slash Sand... Sorry, Sawstone, not Sandstone, Sawstone Brewing, um, dated July 27th of 2020. And you will get a little glimpse into what I feel is a man little unhinged at this point in time. Um, it starts, I, I, I'm on, actually, I'm still on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, I still kind of want to read the entire letter, but it's long and it's rambling and it's insane. But some of the highlights, it starts off with, I'd actually recommend you not bother to read this. Sure. It's got some schadenfreude, but your average Karen or Ken video is probably more entertaining. Your choice. Stuff need to get down to pixels for the record, so that's what this is for. Um, he proceeds to basically, basically, uh, you know, give uh, uh, my defense like you need to defend your you you, you kind of need to be an asshole to defend your uh, 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 your trademark. Um, as he says, the issue you see was over our trademark. You and our need to protect it. As a result, we became the worst ogre ever in the minds of some folks. And then he seems to completely misunderstand why there would be some, shall we say, cognitive dissonance about 
the stone, you know, the, the like the small brewery who got you know uppity towards like the big conglomerate about the use of their uh, uh, trademark, who's also the sixth largest small brewery in the country. There's, yeah, <laughs> sorry, there seems to be this complete disconnect. Why, you know, that you should support that, but why would you get pissed when we're just defending our copyright or our trademark from these little breweries? <laughs> he does. Uh... He does point out that they did change their name, but I'm honestly going. That's irrelevant. They changed it because they probably realized they couldn't win a legal battle with no. the guy who's got all these lawyers on fucking they retainer. It. They went from so their original the original name of this a Kentucky brewery was Pioneer Future. They changed it to Sawstone. Um, they mm. may be changing it back. I mean, they basically but rebranding is. I mean, that's not not cheap. Well, so so here's. I mean, here's the thing. Whether you're a brand new brewery or you're a small brewery rebranding, that doesn't make that argument. I mean, you're whether they if they started with that name or they're moving to that name, that's to me irrelevant. If you're attacking them for using the name Stone in their name at all, and by the way, I mean, I feel like you've got a lot of love picking to do if you're going to go after anybody who has Stone in the name. Also, Granite City, uh, 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 breweries all over the Midwest, watch your ass, because apparently maybe any reference to rock is going to be a, a, a verboding next if Stone gets their way. But um, no, how he, did I miss all these articles? I just googled Sawstone right now, and it became, oh my god, it became a th well. And I mean, of course, so of course, you know, the the, the weird thing was is that in the letter, um. You know, uh, Coke says we did not sue local pioneers in any court. We did not send them a cease and desist. That part I'm going, yeah, you did. I mean, di that goes against the the uh, at least a couple of articles I read about the incident that they that local pioneers slash sodstone received a cease and desist. Otherwise, this is a non-issue, correct? Yeah, and <laughs> Tyler just has his. I'm like, Tyler just has his look at us going. How did we miss this? <laughs> also, there's a GoFundMe for Sawstone Brewing out of Moorhead, Kentucky, that is titled "Stop Stone Brewing Company and Their Bullying Ambition." They have raised fourteen thousand seven hundred eighty-one dollars of their ten thousand dollar goal. Um, so. In the thing, it says, earlier this year, we received a letter stating that Stone Brewing, located in Escondido, California... Yeah, that's it's not official cease and desist, just a letter. Filed a complaint concerning our name. Stone Brewing is the ninth largest craft brewery in the country. They claim to that they own the word Stone, and that our name infringes this viewpoint. Our name, Sawstone, was derived from the construction materials from which our building was made. Sod, Kentucky limestone, from a since-closed-down quarry up the road from our taproom. Um, and, uh, and this is, by, by the way, this has been, I want you all to know. Everybody listening, especially everybody who donated that GoFundMe page, and especially you people who are you supporting Sawstone Brewing, 
you have hurt Greg Koch's feel bads. Um, in the letter, <laughs> he says this campaign also included cyber and cell phone stalking and harassment, which is not good, uh, complete with personal threats to me and employees, fraudulent reviews of our location. And <laughs> so, if, all right, let me just state this really quickly. Um, if you're stalking Greg Koch, you should probably stop for any reason. Don't make personal unless unless you're threatening his life because of the delicious IPA. <laughs> Tyler, have you been struck? You've been sucking Greg Coke this entire time, haven't you? <laughs> uh, no, but I should be. Uh, it just says that you know, he says personal threats to employees. I mean, if that is actually happening, that is bad. But I don't mean to minimize that by saying you hurt his feel bads. If there's actual uh, threats of violence happening that is obviously not acceptable but that's assuming it's happening uh f- fraudulent reviews on our of our location on well-known review sites enough to trigger the algorithms that identify cyber attacks so they got yelped and wildly <laughs> false claims about stone it's okay i can take it but far more reprehensible has been the phone and online against uh, attacks against individual team members who have nothing to do with this and like me didn't know about this issue previously um, I, what is, I don't think this has happened. I mean, correct. If he is, if, he, I mean, the, the, the backlash, I think if that, if, if it's, it's, if it's going on and like, uh, I mean, first of all, yeah, it's stone, but you know, if there is back, I don't think there's that much backlash to this point in time. I mean, this is, it seems weird to me. Or apparently Sawstone has some real tech savvy motherfuckers who are diehards of them that got his information out real quick. I mean, it goes on. It just sits there goes, you know, local pioneers devotees riled up by lies, bombarded by individual stone employees with repeated profanity laced calls, voicemails, texts, and social media messages. One employee was subjected to repeated calls at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. on his personal cell phone from anonymous Kentucky phone numbers threatening to get him. Local pioneers fans have exulted they are spreading stone employees' names like wildfire and are hoping their reputation goes on in smoke. Talk about bullying. Okay. If this is happening, this is horrible. But this more sounds more like a scre- insane screed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I you come, it, you know. I I kind of want to see the evidence, but yeah, you know. I mean, you know, as, as I read it, I'm like going, okay, no, if this is legitimately happening. Um, you know, this is obviously awful, but the idea of hordes of Kentuckians, um, harassing everybody at operating a cell phone. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, no, the, the idea of hordes of Kentuckians just harassing everybody at stone. Uh, huh? Is it? I think this is. The the Stone's defense, the same way Founders' defense for the racism firing was, I don't see color. I think this is Stone's I don't see color defense. <laughs> I mean, I get it very well. I mean, as I'm reading, I'm kind of going, 
these are legitimate. But I mean, as I'm reading this, I'm going, you know, what it sounds like it sounds like they're all out to get us. They're all coming for everybody in Kentucky is going to is coming out of the ceilings. Um, it sounds insane to me that they are getting like this much vitriol, but maybe they are. I mean, which, in which case, maybe you ought to think about what you're doing. I mean, first of all, all right, two things, I guess I, I guess I, I have come to this conclusion, like spontaneously. So, um, if this is actually happening, um, that's bad, but maybe think of why you're pissing off every craft brewery fan in Kentucky. Yep. Um, two, um, it, it just the, the language and the, and the, the, the language used and like this, like they're all out to get us. It just sounds like, it sounds bizarre. It sounds almost, it almost sounds conspiracy like theory stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there has been a bit of a kerfuffle, um, there. And I mean, again, go through that letter, um, you know, that's their defense that uh, that they had total right to do this, and they can't believe we are shocked, shocked that people are so upset about this. Keep the key in Keystone. <laughs> uh, like this, just re- that defense reminds me of the South Park episode where it's BP doing their apology tour for like spilling an oil in the Gulf. The we're sorry. I mean, not even that. It just like I mean, they are there's the whole letter reads like this, like you know, like this, like this, like rage against the you know the big bad corporate monster. Except it's a small brewery in um in Kentucky who's understandably uh, probably perplexed and and um and uh, uh. you know, disturbed that they're having to fight Stone. Also, not sure 100% of the facts. I mean, they, so Greg Koch did said they tried to reach out to them um, for what it's worth, but I don't know where that went. I mean, you know, we've talked many times about what it means to reach out for, you know, a, comp- a big company to reach out to a smaller one. You know, what that actually means. How willing are you to work this out, especially if you're embroiled in a in a lawsuit with Miller Coors? But Yeah. But uh um that's uh that's not been actually all that's been happening to Stone. That's just that's the biggest controversy going on right now. But there are some other disturbing things that we need to talk about. Uh we talked a few months ago about them closing uh, their tap room in Berlin and selling it to brew dogs. Yep. Um, They actually had a tap room in Shanghai that I was unaware of, but don't go because it's closed. Uh, Laid off about 300 employees, but gave 250 of them a thousand dollar gift cards. Wait, gift cards, gift cards. Now, I, Not even cash, so you can help with like bills. But come back and buy stone shit. I'm not sure. So here's the thing: it, the in the good beer hunting story, it links to another story um, where, and I tried to find out what are these gift cards to. Could not find what they are gift cards to. It didn't say stone. 
but not not stone either. All we know is that they were thousand dollar gift cards. Um, to his credit, Coke did deller, donated his uh, uh, salary for twenty twenty to a uh, uh, to a uh, relief fund for service workers. Um, but here's the interesting part: the CEO of Stone, Dominic Engels, uh, has left the company. I remember seeing that. And the and his replacement, Maria Stipp uh, of Lagunitas, uh, formerly of Lagunitas, and the and one of the biggest pushers and orchestrators of the Heineken sale. Ooh, did either one of us have Stone in a Deadpool? I think I do somewhere. Actually, actually, but I you know what. I think I have them as a buyer not being sold because before all hell broke loose, I was sure Stone would not sell to anybody. I thought they might buy somebody, but I don't think I have them on the uh, on to, to be sold. On the sell side. But if this doesn't go down by 2020, you know we're both going to have Stone on our Deadpools. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, the... Uh, 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 the article goes on to talk about, I mean, this is all speculation, but Stone is right in the sweet spot for a bunch of breweries, you know, size-wise to have sold. They just hired a, uh, a, a, uh, 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 a, a CEO that, you know, orchestrated one of these. But as, as uh, Coke pointed out, uh, selling during the middle of a pandemic would be stupid, except it wouldn't. I mean, well, think about that. He goes like, well, selling my brewery in the middle of a pandemic would be idiotic. I think his exact words were, I mean, exact word was idiotic. Um, but um, I don't think it is. If you can, if you have a buyer who pays the, who wants to pay the amount of money that you're asking for. Now's, Does it matter? I was yeah. Say, now's not a bad time to sell and get out. To I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, right? If they pay the right price that you would have sold regardless if it was a pandemic, then no, it doesn't matter if it's a fucking pandemic. I mean, I think he's a. I'm charitably. He didn't say this charitably. He's assumed. I mean, you could say, well, you're not going to get the. You're going to get the the money that you uh, wanted for a brewery like this during the middle of a pandemic, but no one thought a company would be able to get enough cash to ever buy Anheuser-Busch, especially during a global recession. But InBev was exactly. So, and here's one last weird thing. I don't know. Have you seen like stone IPA um, or any, or one of their flags? Their labels flipped upside down because you leave no stone unturned correct i have not seen i did not see that see that before this article um but i do have a picture of it it's going to be our you know the logo for this episode um the listen their new tagline should be no lawsuit left on filed <laughs> this idea Seems like it should have come up like, all right, by the way, this is their first major ad campaign too, apparently. 
And so it seems like this should have been one of those things that came out like, all right, everybody, you know, welcome. We're going to come up with our first big ad campaign. Remember, this is a brainstorming session. There's no dumb ideas. All right. What's our first idea? You, what's your Flip idea? Flip the label. <laughs> and there's and, and there's Zimmerman right over there proving me wrong. Yes, there are still dumb ideas. That is awful. <laughs> but no, they were like, that's a genius idea. I'm like, that's genius. All right, we're done here. That <laughs> Turning the label upside down on purpose. I mean, cute at best. <laughs> but, and by the all and all of this, by the way, they've been suffering, suffering massive losses, while other packaged beers have actually been gaining during the pandemic. Um, it has their one win, you know the one the one thing they do. Uh, um, uh, well, actually, there are two bright spots um, on Stone's portfolio right now. One was um, the Stone Movie Lions, which I did have. Uh, we did get it in, and actually is a really good like hazy IPA. Um, that did quite a lot to boost their um, to their to boost their sales, and the um, other like lone bright spot in their portfolio. A hard seltzer. The delicious IPA. Ah, oh, fuck me! That's <laughs> even worse than responsible, hard seltzer. Responsible for one point two million. Uh, of the breweries, 1.3 million engaged between June and August. Um, but here's another uh, um, uh, interesting thing they've uh, the thing they've done. They paired up with a hard kombucha company. Give me one second. Let me find that part of the article because I just remembered it because it was like. Um, they. Early last month, they uh, launched a collaboration with a hard kombucha maker, Juneshine, um, which is actually part of um, they're a part of a Stone's like Southern California distribution wing. Okay. Um, they did a collaboration, which collaboration appears in this case to be in parentheses, called Stoneshine. But the kombucha was entirely made at Juneshine's production facility. The connection between the two brands is there's none, um, except Stone. Except for Stone, uh, but Coke came out hard in defense of it, saying this is as big a collaboration as the one they've been doing with Will Wheaton. Damn, <laughs> I'm. I th- think. Um, uh, uh, I think the man's losing his mind a little bit. Um, but anyway, so we've got, I don't, there's a lot of weird things coming from Coke. We've got a CEO who orchestrated one of the biggest, uh, um, brewery, uh, uh, acquisitions in our lifetime. Take that for what you will. That's where we're at now. Stone is seeing flagging sales across the board, except for the two uh, places I mentioned. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to believe that uh, that Stip isn't shopping Stone around a little bit. Could you imagine if Molson Coors bought Stone 
and then drop the lawsuit. We're going to both have that on our, our 2021 Deadpool, aren't we? Oh, hell yeah. Or what happens if Stone goes belly up and isn't able to finish the lawsuit, and then Keystone's just like, ha ha, fuck you. Which is kind of sad, because they had the upper hand last time we re- re- we re- we visited that particular... Um that that particular uh kerfuffle um <laughs> uh because maybe your memory is better than mine they the they basically had a judge rule in their favor right correct the judge was ruling basically in their favor but i think there's still shit to be done or i I don't know. It all started blending together. There's a lot of legal ease, but I mean, like, long story short, if I remember correctly, and again... They were on easy street. Like, basically, they just had to keep doing what they were doing, and they were going to win this. Um, I mean, what what we... I think what I vaguely remember was, like, they had proved that Miller Coors had basically lied to the court, which judges typically disapprove of. And so, uh, uh, part of the loss, uh, it was going well for, for stone. Um, but them going after smaller breweries, not a good look. No, core of public opinion is going to murder you. Well, and by the way, I mean, again, I'm like reading that again going, it, the whole thing, the, the, the whole letter. And if you feel like it, go check it out. The way, the way Coke flames uh, frames it makes it sound like this gigantic conspiracy. Like we were just like this little brewery, like these young scrappers going out, uh, and there was this issue we had to take care of. Well, we were trying to be very, uh, uh, very, uh, um, you know, cordial about it. And you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe what these people from Kentucky are doing to us. <laughs> and you kind of go. I, what? <laughs> and by the way, again, if everything that Coke is is uh, is um is saying is true, you know, first of all, people in Kentucky stop stop harassing Stone employees, but also you need to look within yourself and see what you have done to piss off an entire state full of craft beer fans. Yeah. <laughs> this is listen, this is 2020. Read the room, people. We are unhinged. Most of us are armed, especially if you <laughs> live in Kentucky or Idaho. <laughs> you also got to think those motherfuckers be drinking moonshine all day. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a lot of crossover between the moonshine crowd and the craft beer crowd in Kentucky, but you don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So there you go. Stone is... Um, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to Stone, but I think I'm going to for uh, for the foreseeable future just to see what is going to happen on this front. Oh, 100%. Um, well, Jeremy, anything else on the Stone front? Nope. I think it's uh, that's... You got something else for us? I found your dream house, Jeremy. Uh, is it a... Is it a shed in the woods where I can live completely by myself that has refilling beer and possibly cocaine? No. But the next best thing, and it a, is a house. And a high-speed internet with all the pornography? No. 
Uh, That's not my it is. Of, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. It is the House of Budweiser. See, this is why I. <laughs> this is why you. I don't like the, the fact that you bring this shit up when we're doing these remotely because I. What I want. My first instinct was actually to slap my computer. Which is already <laughs> old and on its last legs anyway, and that would probably be the end of this. But okay, um, you know what? Delicious IPA is keeping Stone afloat now. Okay, live with that. Now you go. <laughs> well, Tyler hates is... delicious IPA. Just in case you didn't pick that up, pick that up. Yeah. So there is a house that is for sale. Well, actually, it's a condo in Lake Worth, Florida. It's two bedroom, two bath, in. Uh, until recently, it was owned by a man named Michael Amoletti. Uh, he was a Navy veteran who spent 16 years lining the walls with cans of Budweiser. As any good person named Amoretti would do. Uh, he died at the age of 69. Um, and that's why the house is <laughs> cancer. But... Well, uh, <laughs> Fine, make it real. Jesus Christ, not feel bad. <laughs> actually, I don't know if it would have been worse. Be like from liver failure. Yeah, actually, and his family is very bereaved. He was a uh, he was a massive alcoholic. I'm like, oh, man, this is awkward. Uh, the 815 square foot home is decked out with seal like some of the ceilings are covered in cans. All the walls are. Uh, the only rooms that remain, according to the article on the takeout.com, that remain unwisered are <laughs> are the bathrooms. I mean, that's where Budweiser is made, so that makes sense. Uh, apparently, it went into contract on September 15th uh, with an offer more than the $100,000 asking price. It's just now waiting to be approved by the condo association uh budweiser did tweet to the realtor and said who bought this house let us know so we can stock their fridge with beer as long as they don't renovate the house so and i'll have jeremy like as always he'll link this article and i'll have him uh post out uh, the Redfin real estate listing to this, so you can look through the seventeen pictures, and it's actually pretty impressive. You, you could like the amount of dedic, the amount of dedication, and like making sure the cans are right there with the molding, and it's it's impressive the amount of like detail that went into this house. Just to cover it and to floor with all things A, B, and B. Well, Budweiser, yes. Budweiser specifically, yes. <laughs> but apparently, uh, if they don't remodel the house, Budweiser will stock their fridge with Bud in perpetuity for as long as they keep the house that way. I mean, okay, that's a great argument to remodel the house. That's, I mean, that that that's for me, for me, <laughs> for me. That would be along the lines of like buying a house and then someone coming up to me and going, hey, listen, uh, just so you know, if you remodel this house, I won't shit in your refrigerator uh, every day uh, uh, at noon uh, on the hour every every day. So 
the first, you know, just so you know, if you remodel this house, I will stop shitting in your refrigerator. To which I would reply, I'm remodeling immediately. Please and thank you. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> uh. But when I saw this, the first person I thought of was you. Because I was like, that would be Jeremy's own private torture chamber. A, 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 a place where the Budweiser was refilled incessantly and... Uh, and you're surrounded by empty Bud cans? I mean... Is my hatred for AB InBev that well known? <laughs> yep. <laughs> more, than, more than yours. I feel like you're... Is this all right? Hold on, let me just ask a question. All right, this is directed at me, but are you saying you would live there happily for the rest of your days, Tyler? I don't Tyler, know if Tyler's I could live there in, happily. So what you what you did not see there that long pause was <laughs> actually an internal war. That was Tyler's <laughs> craft beer sensibilities uh, charging against. His northern Idaho heritage, which just said, being like free beer for the rest of your free life, cheap beer for the rest of your life. I mean, I the man I I saw a a whole like thing like a whole <laughs> drama across Tyler's face right there. <laughs> but also, I don't think my wife would be down living in a house. Where the walls are Budweiser cans. So. Sure, use that as a cop out. <laughs> well, I mean, because of my wife, I I probably not, but otherwise, I would live there, free beer forever. <laughs> I don't know if I'd take the free beer. I think I'd just be like, uh, yeah, it's. I'd feel like I was living in a museum. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Anything else today? Uh, yeah, I actually have one last thing where it's a little follow-up to what we were talking about last week with uh, Nightmare Brewing letting go of their artist. Oh, oh awesome. I didn't uh, – yeah. What's uh, – what, what do you uh, So I was talking to the local distributor here uh, a little bit about that this week that distributes Nightmare, and he was telling me that the owner slash brewer of the company – Fire, when he fired him for the beers that he has in the tanks is doing stick figure art for all of those beers that he has in the tank so he doesn't have to pay out his artist. Oh, Jesus Christ. I... Which also, I'm like, I really want to see like some of the stick figure drawings for do, some of actually. these like brutal torture ways. We talked about this last week. I'm very conflicted, um, and I it, and I even like list. I listened to that part like later. I'm going, God, I sound like an idiot. Um, I'm my position still is this. I wish we lived in a society that was open and we could have a conversation about this as opposed to just tossing away a artist that does good can art. Yes, I'm willing uh, to. <laughs> also, from talking to him, it seems it more wasn't the picture. It was his further responses to comments. Okay. that After he posted it, that really just kind of was the nail in the coffin. And that's where I, like, I think I ceaselessly probably ad nauseum, like, preface that, like, I don't know the whole story. This is what mm -hmm. I figured out. I mean, but there does get to a certain point where you're like, all right. 
the point where you're defending yourself becomes problematic as opposed to put the picture up yeah. saying, look, it was satire. It didn't hit. My let bad. Me, let me yeah. just take it down and let's not my best work. Um, there gets to be a point where I the, put the shovel down. Yeah. It's I could uh, try from what I uh, understand about the picture. And by the way, that's last week. Go listen to that. Maybe listen to me stumble upon you know why it disturbed me, because um, I really want to live that over and over again. But my you know the 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 part was is like um, that uh, 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 I didn't know the whole story, but yeah, trying to defend that picture. Um, long story short, it was a picture of um, like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton pinning a swastika onto a BLM uh, sign, so. Trying to defend that picture, I don't see how you do that and not dig yourself deeper. Yeah. Because satire, big fan of, I'm not seeing the joke, and I'm guessing the more you try to explain the joke, the less funny it's going to get, and the more worrisome I'm going to be about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, crimes against man, woman, law, god, and nature, I do have actually one more thing I want to quickly drop out there. Drop out. Um, among the horrible things that have has happened over the summer, Oscar Blues the debuts mustard beer, featuring a hundred pounds of French's mustard in a batch of beer. I did want to try that. That I mean, was I like unique enough that I wanted to try it. I definitely want to try it because I am I hate myself on some level, but. Um, one review did uh, uh, did say it is a slide against God. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Oscar Blues. You have offended the Almighty Himself, and this has been uh, it's all beer. As always, uh, if you like what we're doing, you want to keep up with us, uh, we post some shit on Facebook. Uh, we post all of our stories on Twitter. You can find that at it's all beer on Facebook. You can find us at it's all beer. I have an Instagram account. We post what we're drinking for the podcast. Uh, you can just pick those up. Uh, Instagram is at it's all here. And if you have have if you have stories you want us to talk about, have things you want to talk about, or just want to tell either of us how dumb we're being um, at any given time, you can get a hold of us. Uh, it's all here at gmail.com. Um, and you know, if you feel so inclined, if you like what we're doing and you want to leave a review, you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, um, just randomly in public. You know, you can just come up to either of us and scream how much you like and or slash hate uh, what we're doing. Um, you can tell us that we are an abomination against God. Tyler's heard that before. Yeah. So have you. <laughs> yeah, but for the one, first time, it won't be from my mother. Um, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> don't I um, That's not true. It might be true. You don't know. All right, that's all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go have a beer. Take care.